Thank you so much, uh, Jason Waters, for playing for us this morning. Our offertory, and thank you so much for being here today with us, all of you. I want you to turn with me this morning to the Gospel of John, the very first chapter in the Gospel of John. Several weeks ago, I endeavored to deal with a series entitled Walking with Jesus. And one of those themes, or one of those, and during that series it fell on Mother's Day, and I tried to do a message entitled, Walking with Jesus When You're a Woman, and how important that is, and I so thank you and for God, for godly women, you're so important, and such a powerful influence, and we need you so desperately. Today, though, I wanted to go back to that series, since it is Father's Day, you know, I just can't let the guys get off the hook completely free. So I wanted to deal with a message called Walking with Jesus When You're a Man. I don't think there's anybody that exemplifies that any more than John the Baptist. John the Baptist sort of comes uh, in the background. He's sort of a bridge, as you know, between the Old Testament and the New Testament. But he comes to prepare the way for Jesus. He doesn't doesn't come to make a prominent, prominent say in, in religion or though people really made a lot to do with John the Baptist because God had given him so much authority. But John the Baptist was able to deal with that. And so many times we are not able to deal with the prosperity God gives us and the authority. I think we men are in that situation today. And I think there's a lot of reason we see so much chaos in the world today because men are simply not taking, and I say that to me, Randy, our rightful position of authority in leading our families, our churches, uh, our homes, our work, and being the kind of man God has called us to be. And so the greatest example of that is going to be Jesus Christ. Obviously, he is a man of all mans. And yet, his life gives us a great pattern for being the man that God's called us to be. And John the Baptist has come to say that. So let's look at these, some of these verses together. I don't know exactly, I can't remember, I gave you some scriptures, didn't I? Yeah. John 1, 6 through 8. I'm going to use some others as a reason I wanted to look at that with you. But first, first gospel, I mean, first chapter of the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verse 6, says there, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. Now what we need to see in this, first of all, this chapter starts with the creation of the Word of God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. I want you to notice the correlation between the Word and the voice. So look at... Um, Look at uh, verse 19, and let's read some verses together as we finish this text, anyway, of John the Baptist. And this is the record of John, 
uh, when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, who art thou? Now this is John the Baptist. You see, he's caused so much of a stir, the religious sect sends people to check on him, said, men, who are you? And you know, it's important for us men to really know who we are. I wonder if we really do exactly. We need to be reminded today. And he confessed, John, and denied not, but confessed, I am not the Christ. That's what John says. And they ask him, what then, art thou Elias? And he saith, I am not. Art thou that prophet? And he answered, no. And then they said unto him, who art thou, that we may give an answer to them that sent us? What sayest thou of thyself? Now look at verse 23. He said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as said the prophet Esaias. Now here we see John the Baptist telling who he is. He's a voice. I mentioned just then I wanted you to see the correlation between the word and the voice. See, the voice will fade away. Okay, but the word will never. Jesus is the word. John is the voice. For men, I see this as Jesus is the word. We are the voice. And long after we're gone, the voice will still continue. How many of you remember things your daddy said? How many of you still can think about that voice and what an influence that is? I would be willing to say you can judge a person pretty much by what they think of their daddy. Now, that might be good or bad. Now, now uh, Sister Debbie, I don't want to put you on the spot, but I saw those tears when you left. I know what you're thinking. You had a special daddy and father, and I think of him so much as a model. So many of us ought to. Uh, I was talking yesterday to my son-in-law, uh, Ricky Cook, and his dad, Ricky, was there, and uh, our conversation started talking about our daddies and uh, what our daddies did and how much they seemed to be alike, though they never knew each other. But the conversation sort of resonated around my daddy. And, and whether it's something they said or something they showed us how to do, uh, it still is a voice, okay? And so it has a great influence. And we need to see that and, and that we need to take that as as a note from God that we're, we look at what we do and how we say as men. Now, I know we, we, we sometimes that will burden us because so many times we've messed up and it's hard to get back to where we need to be. But the first thing we need to remember from John the Baptist, his great thing was repent. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is hand. Behold the Lamb of God. That was John the Baptist's thing. Look at Jesus. Behold the Lamb of God who taketh away the sin of the world. The first thing that we men have to deal with is our sin. We cannot be the kind of men God has called us to be. We will be cowards if we try to deal with our sin and not con confess it as we ought to. It's not just in the Bible just to be words where God says, the righteous are bold as a lion and the wicked pursue... Per a flee when no man pursueth. I wonder if we're not men that, that are running from our wives and from our families and from our responsibilities because of some sin in our lives. 
And so may God help us to see that that is the call, first of all, to be a man. I'm entitled what I want to say, walking with Jesus when you're a man. And there's no way that light and darkness will have fellowship. So walking with Jesus means walking without your sin. Now we're all sinners. None of us, none of us, no man will ever be any more than a sinner saved by grace. That is how it is. But oh my goodness, what a blessing to see the greatness of God's salvation in our life and what God has called us to do. I wanted to say three things from this text from John the Baptist. And uh, the first thing is, we're talking about walking with Jesus. And I think John the Baptist shows this. And this number one is this, walk humbly as a privilege, not as a performance. Walk humbly, not as a, pri- not as a privilege, rather not as a performance. Now see, they come to John the Baptist and say, well, well, you must be Jesus. Or how do you get all these power, all these people following you? He says, I'm not Jesus. I'm not. And yet, Jesus says in Matthew 11, says there's none greater among born of women than John the Baptist. Nevertheless, he says in the next verse, you are greater In other words, just being in the kingdom of God. Now what Jesus was talking about in John the Baptist's greatness was not his merit, but his position. Do you hear me, guys? We know that if we've done all, we're still unprofitable servants. We know how weak we are. Are we better? We can't even walk without holding God's hand. The first step of walking with Jesus, the first step of being a real man, you know what it is? Humility. You watch Jesus Christ. If you walk with Jesus Christ, you're going to have to be humble because Jesus was humble. He came, though he was the Lord of the universe. He came in Hebrews 2 and he says he was made a little lower than the angels. Did that make him a less worse than the angels? No. What it did, though, was put him in the position that God has called him to be. And we are here on earth, men, for one purpose to follow Jesus, to exemplify the very order of creation that God has given us. And we're living in a world where people are messing with God. The world we're living in, the culture we're living in is turning the wrong knobs. And they got things upside down. We hear everybody now is equal. Everybody's alike. And God has never ordained that to be. Our Declaration of Independence said, yes, it does, that we all have the right of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness as endowed by the Creator. We find out about the Creator from this book called the Bible. And we find in creation in Genesis 2 that not, in Genesis 1, nothing is, God made things with distinctions. He made things different for a purpose. Not because they were less valuable, but because that was the order. And so God calls Adam, and he gives Adam, and he makes Adam from dirt, and he breathes life in him. And that's all we are, guys, is dust that God has breathed life in. Everything we have is from God. Everything. And what a blessing it is. How else can we walk but humbly? How else? If nothing will humble you anymore, it's to, if you have a wife, you be humble that God is blessed. If you have a family, oh, what a blessing it is to be humble before God.
but he's given us this responsibility. So we walk humbly as a privilege. And John the Baptist was doing that. He wasn't out trying to perform everybody, trying to make a show of anything. He was humbly. Jesus, he's low and meek. He is one that came not to be ministered to, but to be ministered, but to minister. He came as a servant. And guys, we have to understand that we have to relinquish our rights. If God is going to lift us up and we're going to be in the right position, then we're going to have to do it God's way. And so we need to understand that and ask God to help us and to repent if we're not where we need to be and say, God, you put us there and you keep me there. Help me be a husband if I'm a husband or a man of God. Christian men facing the trials of life, willing to be bruised. Jesus Christ was a man of sacrifice. And I'm going to tell you guys, if we're not willing to be bruised, we're not going to be a blessing until we bleed. We're not. We're not. And Jesus set that example. John the Baptist came as one from the wilderness, a voice of one crying in the wilderness, eating locusts, eating grasshoppers and honey. And he came not dressed with fancy clothes, but he came as a man. And he said, I'm going to lift up my voice. And it's time that the redeemed of the Lord said so. And it's time that men, all men, white men, black men, Asian men, yellow men, whatever color, there's no distinction that we're called of God to be authoritarians, to lead humbly as a privilege, not as a performance. Micah 6, 8 says there, what is required of the old man? You want to know, guys, do you really? It says there, to love mercy, do justly, and walk humbly with thy God. Now that's a calling that Jesus has said. See, Jesus has called us to do that, to walk with him. And yet, we're to do that humbly. The very Apostle Paul, he says, I am the least of all the saints. I'm the chiefest of all the sinners. That's what grace will do for you. It will. That's what a blessing. That's how we lead. The word and lead that voice, it tells us who we are. It's amazing to me to see the power of servanthood. Uh, I've said before, uh, one of the men that influenced my life was my football coach, Fred Shaver. And not only on the football field, but off the field. You see, that's the thing about being a man of God. See, be being a man of Christian, not me standing up here preaching. Because if I can't be the man that God's called me to be in my home, by my wife and my children, no, no, I don't need to get no pulpit anywhere. Nowhere. Because that's where it's got to start. But I remember one time when we were in the National Guard, it came to my mind this morning. Uh, coach Shaver was not only a coach, he was a battery commander, he was a captain in the National Guard. And so I remember uh, one day they were doing an inspection. We were, one Saturday. And Coach Shaver came through doing an inspection along with the entourage of officers. And we were out in the motor pool. So he walks up to this Jeep and I don't know how the conversation got there. He says, Why did, how long did it take you to watch this Jeep? Well, sir, we've been watching it maybe an hour. Coach Shaver says, you ought to be able to watch that Jeep in six minutes. And the guy must have batted his eyes something because Coach Shaver got in his face and said, you don't believe it? Well, sir, Coach Shaver starts taking off his coat. He says, give me a, give me a bucket, give me a hose, 
said, I'm going to show you. I'm going to tell you that captain, he took off his coat, he took off his medals, he got down there and he washed that Jeep in six minutes flat. I never will forget that. What was he doing? He was showing that you can do it. You see, you lead by example. You lead, not because you want to be showy with your performance. You do it because you love. And Jesus submitted to God because he loved him. He went to the cross for us, for the love of God and the love of us. He gave up himself in that way. So humbly, walk as a humble man, as a privilege, not a performance. Secondly, I want you to think about this with me. Walk circumspectfully, not vaguely. See, purpose. Look at Ephesians uh, chapter 5. You know I was getting that verse there, but I thought of that as I was thinking about this text and what I want to try to say, God would help me say. Ephesians chapter 5, again, the Apostle Paul. He says, See then, in verse 15, that ye walk circumspectfully. What does that mean? That means prudent. That means alert. That means not haphazardly. That means not in a trance. That means care about what you do and with responsibility, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. So we're to walk circumspectively. We're to walk noticing our life, noticing the privilege God has given us. Now, God says through the apostle, um, look at, um, well, we're here, guys. We're in chapter 5 of Ephesians, verse 23, same chapter. You got your books? Look at it, what it says. For the husband is the head of the wife. That, that verb is is present tense, is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. What a calling to manhood. What a calling to walk circumspectfully. Now here's, here we see again order. And, and you know, I, I remember watching, seems like it's been a while, years ago, maybe a, a space program somewhere. It's a documentary on trip to the moon or something, and they were showing astronauts in a capsule, and they were floating around, everything, their paper, and their, everything was just turning over and over. Well, that's the way the world is today. Because we don't have order. And we don't have order because we don't have men that are willing to be responsible and walk circumspectfully. That's what it is. I I believe that, and and that includes Randy. And we need to be involved in that because we're living in in a world that says it doesn't matter uh, who you get in the bed with. It doesn't matter where you're... uh, uh, what your sexual preference is. Uh, it doesn't matter, everybody, who you marry. Uh, what's happened is we've gotten to the point where we've turned the wrong knobs, and again I say we've messed in with God's Word. 
And people are doing that who do not believe God's word, but want to redefine what God says. So we need to see that the liberal media, you know what they're saying? The liberal culture that we live, they define salvation as self-expression. What makes you feel good? That is your salvation. They define freedom as no responsibility. Man, I can do what I want to. So I'm free. And they define sin as, well, you just got a problem with personal adjustment, don't you? See how we got? Whereas God, see, we have clear orders. We have a clear order. You think about creation. C.S. Lewis said that, that creation is so masculine. Or he said this, he said God is so masculine that even in creation is a responder. Creation is the one that responds to God's initiation. And all of creation is like that, isn't it? You think about it. God has got it. That, and men, you know what? God is, how, how are we to walk? In the order God has given us. God created Adam and he told Adam not to eat of the, that one tree. He didn't tell Eve that. You look at it. Eve wasn't created at the time. God told Adam. And so what happened, the devil comes to Eve. And he comes to her. And she submitted to that. Now Adam was still responsible. But I'm going to tell you. When we see that, when God comes looking for him, he says, Adam. He didn't say Eve. Wherefore art thou? Because Adam was high. So we need to see that, that responsibility that God has given us to lead, to lead humbly. But to understand that is our authority, responsibility. And you know what? We're living in a society that, that is pretty much condoning, even encouraging young boys to stay at home and to just be a boy to 30, 40 years old and play video games and watch pornography and to uh, just be entertained. No responsibility at all. And little girls, girls are being made growing up so fast. I mean, before they ought to. You look at our world today. It's just amazing to me. You know, I, was, I met a, a young guy not long ago, a fine young man, and, and I had lunch with him, and he's in his maybe upper 20s. And he had a college degree, and um, he had... Uh, inheritance, lots of land. And, uh, he couldn't find what one wanted to do. I mean, he just seemed to be just floating, you know. And I had lunch with him. I never met this guy before. And I, I said, man, I really like you a lot. I just don't understand about you. But I don't know why I said it. I said, have you got a girlfriend? He said, well, yes, sir, I do. He said, we've been going together six or seven years. You have? I, he said, yeah. I said, well, I want to tell you something. You may never see me again, but I want you to think about this. I said, if you're going with this girl six or seven years, and you love her, says you need to ask her to marry you. And if she says yes, then you'll find what you need to do. You, in other words, you will find it will be laid out for you because you're going to have some responsibility. See, that's what we need. We, I mean, rather than just kind of floating around, you know, I'm talking about walking, not vaguely, but really grasping who we are. That's how we're supposed to walk. That's how Jesus walked. And look what, you know, it's not easy. It's not. It's not. And, and so we see this from Ephesians. 
and we see what God has called us to do. And Satan knows, you know, if you're a football fan, what's the most, if you're going to win the game or on defense, you're going to get to the quarterback, right? The one that calls the plays. And you know what, men, we are the one that, whether we admit it, we're the one that calls the play. Your family will go the direction you want to go. It doesn't mean that you don't have to go to the mall with your wife sometime and shop, but for the most part, you're going to go that direction the Father goes. And that's why we need to see that as a, as a great calling. You know, I was humbled this morning. All, all my daughters, God's blessed me so much. My wife, you guys feel the same way. I don't have a thing on you, I know, but I got a text from my daughter Ashley. and Some of you know her struggles. She said, just wishing me happy, happy Father's Day. But she said this, really humbled me. She said, Daddy, says, you'll never know this, but says, when I was on the street, and she was for a couple years, thank God she's not now. She says, I was on the street for two years. Those times I was on the street, says, I remember you. Said, often I would think of you walking there, wondering, and I remember things you said, and it brought some peace to me. Now, I never knew that. I never did. But I mean, that is the kind of father I want to be if I can be. So walk circumspectly, not vaguely. You got to be a man. You know, we got to put our britches on one leg at a time, guys. That is true. But we got to put them on. We can't just wear panties all the time. We got to say, I'm going to live for God. I'm going to be the man God has called me to be. I'm going to love my wife sacrificially. I've told you, and I still say it, I'll admit, I'll say it before her and before anybody else. One of the things I pray for every morning, oh God, help me love my wife like you love your church and give myself for. That is the greatest calling for a man to have. When we're walking with Jesus, that's how you got to walk. You got to walk circumspectfully. Redeeming the time and being the man that God's called us to be. And then lastly, and here's one I thought about. I didn't read this anywhere, but it seemed like God put it on my heart. If a man's going to walk with Jesus, you've got to walk jealously, not nicely. You hear me? Now, the problem we have with that, jealousy, we think, has been messed up because of the culture. We think it's like envy. Now, envy is always sinful. But you go to Exodus chapter 20, verse 5, you're going to find that God is a jealous God. And he gives rules because of his jealous love. He's a perfect God. So we're not jealous enough. We want to be so nice, you know. You be nice, you know, and just be nice, okay? I tell you what, I believe that we're so nice, we're nasty. We're so nice, we're missing our calling, what God has called us to be. To be men of God. Jesus did not go to the cross to be nice. He went to the cross to play that role God had given him. To give himself for the church, for you. And to suffer and bleed and die and to be forsaken by the Heavenly Father. He didn't do that to be nice. He did that to, because he loved you. And if we're going to be the men we're going to be, we're not going to be there because we're nice. And we don't, we don't want people to think uh, any bad of us. You know what Jesus said that about that? He says, 
beware when all men speak well of you. For so they did the false prophets that come before you. you I'm going to tell you, if you get in a world and everybody likes you, you better watch out. <laughs> Sometimes I think our friend list is way too long. You know what happened? Being nice will do it. It's lukewarm masculinity is what it is. That lukewarm masculinity will make you hook up to your boat or your ATV, drive right by the church door. Why? Because I don't want to deal with that. I don't want to face myself. I don't want to worship whatever. And I know that some people won't unless God calls them by his grace. But that's not you. I am so thankful for men in this church and for the influence that you are and that you still are. And I want to encourage you. So many men, some of them right now, are at home with their wives because their wives are, have ill health and they're taking care of them 24-7. Some of you have done that. What an inspiration you are of how to love unconditionally as God has given you that merit to take those vows seriously that God has given you to say on your wedding day. But we've got to be jealous. So many people in the Bible did that. Jealousy. Moses, the sons of Korah, they rose up in number 16, and they said, well, what they were saying is, listen, Moses, we're about as good as you. We can do just what you're doing. You know what? I think that's a lot of the mindset of the women's liberation move. I'm going to tell you, I get into bed every night with a woman that's smarter than me. I guarantee you I do. That's purer than me. But does that make it so that I don't, I don't have the responsibility? It just humbles me to know how short I come, but I tell you, it makes me want to get up and do it. Because a man is supposed to be the initiator, just like God. A man is supposed to go forth with that and, and initiate that, asking God to lead him and guide him and to nurture and protect that's what a husband is about. Husbandry is about taking care of something. And we have a responsibility to do that before God. And we ought to be jealous. If you're married and your wife commits adultery, how's it going to make you feel? If you don't have any feelings about it, then you don't love that woman. That's all i got to say. God says his church is his wife. And so these sons of Korah rise up and they say, well, Moses and Aaron, you're no better than we are. And yet there were 250 of them in Korah. And so Moses was jealous, with a godly jealousy. He said, I'm telling you what you do. You bring the, the censors up here and let's see. Let's see who God's given authority to. You know the story, God swallowed them all up. Not only that, about 14,000 people who questioned what he did, what God did. I think about David when he saw that Goliath, that giant. Here's this young man who comes up here, he was walking with God. He had walked for God before. He'd seen what God had done in his life. And he sees this big giant out there. He says, wait a minute. Who is this man? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that defies the living army of God? He says, is there not a cause? I'm going to tell you, men, there is a cause to lift up your voice. Not to perform, but to humble your voice and to leave a stigma and influence with your family and friends wherever you, long after you're gone of your life and what God has called us to do. Jesus Christ, am I jealous? 
He goes up in the temple. We ought to be so jealous for the church, for the truth. Go into the church, Jesus does, and here they're making a mockery of it. They got money changers in there. There's nothing more than a flea market. What does Jesus say? I just got, I'm going to be nice. I'm just going to be nice. I don't want anybody like, like me. You won't find that when you walk with Jesus. You remember what he did? He turned the money changers' tables upside down. He takes a whip and drives them out the temple. Now, I know I'm talking about some things in Moses, and, and I could go to Elijah, Phinehas and others that, that really were jealous for a godly jealousy. But we're in the New Testament. You know what we need now? Our weapons are different. We have the Word of God. We have the sword of the Spirit. And we're to use that and bless God in it. And so, you know, when I think about masculinity, the thing about the man I want to be, and I know you guys want to be, it doesn't matter how much you've messed up. The first thing you need to do is come to grips with that. And you repent of that and you ask God to strengthen because there's nothing, no life so bad and out of whack that God can't take it and make crooked places straight. He can. Oh, the calling of a man that, that says, you know, maybe has most of his life taken away from his family. Now I'm going to live for God. He's given me his spirit. And you make that stay. And God will take a little bit and make a lot out of it. There's nothing too hard for God. They're not, guys. Don't give up. Don't quit. Don't be discouraged. You don't. For God loves you. And we're called to be men that walk with Jesus. And that is a privilege, not a performance, because we're none worthy. And that is a circumspectfully walk. It's not a haphazard. It's not kind of straying around and playing around. It's have a focus on what God has called us to do and how he's called us to live. And it's also to walk jealously, to love God so much, to love our families, so that we see what the culture is doing. And we see the world going the way it is, that we don't just have to give in to it. But we have to begin in our own personal life with God and walking with Jesus. And God will show us and God will strengthen us. And He'll never leave us nor forsake us. So may the Lord help us to see that and bless that. So walking with Jesus when you're a man. I think, first of all, and be thankful that you're a man. You know, I don't think that because I can't have a baby that I'm underprivileged. You know? I, I, I don't think we just, just because I'm a white man that I, I say, well, you know, I, I I'm, I'm just must be a racist. Or, or if I was a black man, well, you know, uh, that, that, that white man's putting me down and all that. Or if I'm an Asian or whatever. No, you say you thank God that you're a man. And what God has given you, you use for his glory. You take your rightful place. You know, the strength of Gideon's army was not how many guys he had. It was that every man was in his place. He took 300 men that were willing to be committed to God, to be consecrated, that were walking circumspectfully, that were walking jealously for the cause of God, that were walking humbly. God does the work. We don't. But I'm going to tell you, he's not going to change. His order is set. 
It's not going to change. It's not going to fluctuate with society. Okay? It's not. And if we don't take up this, then we're even getting a worse situation. But God's way is such a blessing. And I pray that the Lord would help us see it. Would you bow with me? Lord, we thank you so much for loving us and giving us your spirit again. We thank you for your word. And I say, Lord, as, as a man and with these men, what a blessing it is to be a man. Even though we've come so short of the masculine, Christ-like manhood that we ought to be, help us not to be lukewarm anymore. Help us, O oh Lord, to quit floundering around and playing games with imaginations and riding the entertainment train of the world. Let us roll up our sleeves and put our working britches on, oh God, to follow you, to be blessed, to be bruised, but to be used as men that's walking with Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.